Welcome again to Hidden Foods. Today we have Bob Barone, who is going to speak about inflation. Hi, Bob. How's everything going? Everything's going well. Right. Even inflation. Even, even inflation. Even inflation, for sure. So the July rates of inflation was 8.5%. It was down from 9.1%. That's still really high. You have written that July's inflation reports had a lot to celebrate. So can you explain? Yeah, 8.5 seems high, but 8.5 is backward looking. It's what inflation was over the past year. Unfortunately, the news media likes to emphasize the negative. Inflation's peak actually occurred in June, and the forward indicators show that July was the first of many months of good inflation news. I've written and discussed in previous podcasts that we thought that June would be the peak in inflation. And after July's data, that looks to be the case. The CPI, that's the Consumer Price Index, came out on Wednesday, and it was 0% on a month-over-month basis. The market expected it to be higher at a plus 0.2% rate, but it was zero. And that brought the year-over-year rate down to 8.5%, which everybody says is still too high. Well, it might be too high, but uh, the monthly data was zero. That means from June to July, on average, there was no inflation, just for one month. Now, if we look at the core, what is called the core CPI, and that's the CPI without food and energy, which everybody needs, but that's what the definition is. It was up 0.3% when the market was looking for it to be up 0.5. So again, the market was almost double what the actual was. And the year-over-year rate in the core fell to 5.9%. It's going in the right direction. If we dig into the details, we'll see that in July, energy prices fell 4.6%. We knew it was going to fall. Gasoline fell 7.7%. And since they took that July survey, gasoline prices have continued to fall. The bad part of the news was that in July, food went up 1.1% and rents went up a half a percent. But the forward-looking data for these two show that they're going to be flattening. And I'll explain why. In July, we saw the decreases in the prices of appliances, clothing, airline fares, used cars, rental cars, and the cost of education. We expect that the August CPI will show further declines in energy costs. As I said, gasoline has continued to fall. In fact, it's fallen 11% since the end of July. And the price of oil is now at $86 a barrel. In June, it was $123 a barrel. That's a big fall. That's 30% down. Food prices are also likely to begin to fall pretty soon because in the markets, we see that the agricultural prices are falling, dairy prices are falling, and so are chicken futures. They're falling too. Let's talk about rents because they went up a half a percent in July and they represent a big weight in the CPI. They're 30% of the CPI. It's really important. As I indicated, they rose a half percent. And if we annualize, that's about a 6% annualized rate. So in July, they rose at about a 6% rate. 
oh, okay, that's not something to write home about, but that's nowhere near the 13% year-over-year number that the media and the Fed agonize over. The 13% number is backward-looking, just like the 8.5% is backward-looking. What we want to do is look forward, and if we look at the chart, we see that rents have actually turned down. There's a council called the National Multifamily Housing Council, and they have what is called a diffusion index of the rental market. Not to confuse everybody, I'll just tell you that 50 is the demarcation between getting tighter and getting easier. So anything above 50 means it's getting tighter. Anything below 50 means it's getting looser. A year ago, the index was 92, so really tight. And that's bad. That means rents are going up. But the most recent survey in the third quarter here, 23. So 23 versus 92, a big difference. It's getting a lot easier. The reason for this is we've seen over the last nine months or so that multifamily housing starts are at a near record high. While housing starts themselves aren't doing well, the multifamily sector is doing really well. And that's because there's a demand for multifamily housing. That's the reason that it's getting looser because all of these new units are coming online. Lots of construction going on for sure. While the media and the Fed really don't talk about inflation as transitory anymore, your view is that the inflation has always been transitory. Can you address that? Let's start off with what the word transitory really means. It means not permanent. Whenever something is transitory, it means it will go away over a period of time. When the Fed said inflation was transitory, they never put a time frame on it. Because they didn't put a time frame on it, the media assumed a short period, like two to three months. Turns out that inflation really is transitory, except that the time frame is, or was, and is 12 to 24 months. Let's think about the inflation that we've seen. It's actually been due to supply chain issues. Remember, everybody remembers the ports in, the, in LA and Long Beach were clogged. Ships had to wait way out at sea. There were the articles that showed how many ships were waiting out there. Those ships aren't waiting anymore. We have always had the view that the inflation was transitory if we had the appropriate time frame attached one long enough to resolve the supply chain issue. We now see that the supply chains are almost healed. One sign of such healing is that the shipping rates have fallen dramatically. And I'll give you an example. The cost to move a container from Shanghai in China to the port of Los Angeles is around $6,600 today. A year ago, it was over 18,000. So we've seen a 63% reduction. The voyage from the time they loaded on the cargo ship until the time they unloaded a year ago was 99 days. Now it's 74 days. Those ships were waiting an extra 20, 21 days out in sea to get into port a year ago. Now they're not. I have two charts from the Institute for Supply Management, and these charts show dramatic falls in the back orders and supplier delivery times. The back orders are falling, people don't need as much inventory, and it doesn't take them very long to get it to them. 
These are very reliable indicators of the state of the supply chain. As you can see from the charts, both of them are falling dramatically. We always knew that when the supply chain healed, the inflation would start to go away. The only issue has always been putting the proper time frame on it. The appropriate time frame appears to be the one to two year period. Now we're at the one year period since the inflation really became hot. And now we're seeing signs that it has started to cool. So besides one month of CPI data, what other evidence of cooling inflation do you really have? People would say one month, that's not enough, Bob. The forward-looking indicators all are saying that the CPI is going to fall in the coming months. But we also have something called the producer price index. This is level above the consumer. It's where the stuff gets produced. And the producer price index is a leading indicator of what's going to happen in the consumer price index. In July, the producer price index actually fell a half a percent, and that's an annualized rate of almost 6%. The consensus in the market was it was going to rise 0.2%. That's a big miss for the market, missing it by seven-tenths of a percent. If you look at the core PPI, again, that's with food and energy, it rose 0.2% month over month. And again, the consensus of the market was higher than that. They thought it would rise 0.3. If we look at the month over month reading of 0.2 and we annualize, that's 2.4%. What's the Fed's target? 2%. So it's really not too far from the Fed's target. That's just on a month to month basis. Now, the PPI, the producer price index, has sub indexes, and one of the sub indexes is a sub-index of just the consumer portion of the PPI, okay? That fell 0.7% in July. That's an annualized rate of minus 8%. And this was the first negative print we've had since April of 2020, over two years. So this is good news. Mm -hmm. If we move back even to earlier stages, the crude stage, this is the really early stages of production. The PPI fell 6.9% in one month in July. Now, I didn't annualize that, but if I annualized that, it would be minus 80 some odd percent. If we look at it year over year, it's minus 1.1%. So that's backward looking year over year. But if we look four months earlier in March, and we looked at the backward looking number, it was rising at a 26% year-over-year rate. So it's dramatic what's happened. In addition, the productivity numbers are awful. This is output per man hour. They were minus 7.3% in the first quarter and minus 4.6% in the second quarter. And year-over-year, backward looking again, minus 2%. This is the worst reading we've had in productivity since the 1970s. Because of this, companies are paying too much, they have too many employees, and their profit margins are falling, so they don't have any choice. They're going to have to start to reduce headcount, especially if their sales are stagnant. By reducing the headcount, they'll start to protect their profit margins. That's what they're all going to do. We've already begun to see the updrift in the initial jobless claims. So given your view that the inflation numbers, the Fed and the media look at are backward looking, what should they be looking at? They should be looking forward. It does appear that the month over month inflation readings in the months immediately ahead will be negative. 
they're going to be negative. That's really good news. But let's do a thought experiment. If we just assume that every month for the next 12 months will be zero, will be flat like July, then what does these backward year-over-year inflation readings look like? These are the ones that the media and the Fed are fixated on. What will they look like? I said earlier for August, it would be 8.1%. Okay, let's look then at October. October will be 6.8, so it's getting better. And then December, 5.4. By the time we get to March, it'll be 2.6. And then it will turn to zero by next June and July. Well, this sounds really good news, right? But the Federal Reserve still seems to want to raise interest rates. So what's really going on there? Despite the good news, the Fed looks like it has a different view. Every federal open market committee member, that's the rate making committee, that has made a public statement since the release of the CPI has warned that the Fed will be raising rates significantly. Now, this will be the first time in the history of the Fed that they will continue to raise rates when they know we're having a recession. The latest federal open market committee member to make a statement was Mary Daly. She's the president of the San Francisco Fed. Normally, she's a dove. She would want rates to be steady or lower. But she said the uh, committee does not want to be, quote unquote, head faked by improving data that may reverse. I'm here to say that they won't reverse, but she's worried that they will. She favors a 50 or 75 basis point rate rise when they have their September meeting. There's still the August jobs report that they will have in September. There's still another CPI report that they'll have and another PPI report that they'll have prior to that meeting. But even if we get a 0% reading on the CPI in August, like we did in July, As I said, that would only bring the backward-looking year-over-year August inflation rate to 8.1%. That might not be enough progress for these guys at this Fed, which appears to be looking at the past and driving, as I've written, driving by looking through the rearview mirror. Furthermore, this Fed is not only intent on raising interest rates, but it hasn't yet hit its stride in reducing the monetary aggregates. This is called quantitative tightening. It's the opposite of what they were doing before. Quantitative easing was printing money. Quantitative tightening is destroying that money. They tried this in 2018. They tried to start quantitative tightening. It only lasted a very short period of time. They had to back away because the markets just froze up when they did it. Besides raising interest rates, they're destroying money, having negative money supply, money printing, and both of those together are sure to cause the recession, which we believe has already started. But we believe that if they stop doing what they're doing, they could make the recession shallower than it's going to be. Apparently, they're backward looking, like I said, looking through the river mirror. What they do by increasing rates and continuing their quantitative tightening will just make the recession deeper and longer. We're going to hear more from the Fed because they have this annual Jackson Hole Symposium. It's going to be the last week in August because they're now trying to manage the yield curve, which they've always left 
to the free market, but they're not trying to manage it themselves. And I've written that the smartest 16 people in the world still don't know where the interest rate should be. Only the market knows. But they're trying to manage the yield curve. We suspect that they're going to signal to the markets that they want rates to be higher, not steady, not lower, as the inflation data have now signaled rates should be. Their message to the markets to uh, quote Larry David uh, show, curb your enthusiasm. Why they want to continue to tighten into this market makes little economic sense and risks a significant recession. It's too bad. They originally had the right idea that inflation was transitory. They just had the wrong time frame. Now it looks to be all about appearances. I think this Fed believes that they have to have credibility when they talk to the markets. And because they think they need credibility, they have to convince the public that they are inflation fighters, never mind the economic consequences. That's for sure something to keep in mind. We want to become more enthusiastic. We want to believe in something better, yet we have to stay very realistic and make sure we look at numbers just like you are doing. Wonderful. Thank you, Bob. That was a great information today, as always. Thank you. Great um, to be here. For everyone, please remember to subscribe to the channel. We have a link in the comment area below. Share with your network. This is information that a lot of people can benefit from. We thank you for watching and see you next time.